My name is Allison Blevins, and Pastor has asked me to speak tonight since he's uh, taking Emily down to Texas. So I said, sure. Um, so you get to hear me for a few minutes. Um, for those of you who don't know me, oh, thank you so much. <laughs> That's great. Um, <laughs> for those of you who don't know me, I grew up in Kentucky. And then I went to Evangel University for college, and that's where I met my husband, Sam. And we got married right before our senior year of college. And then we moved back to Kentucky to be with my mom, who had stage four breast cancer at the time. And I'll talk about that a little bit later. And then we moved out here this last summer. So because Sam's family is out here um, so it's been great. It's been a crazy move for us. But And we also have two young girls. One of them is Lila. She's three. And then the other is Autumn, and she's one. So we have our hands full, but we love it. <laughs> so I wanted to start off today um, with this phrase. How many, of, how many of you have heard this phrase? I want to see your hands. God won't give me more than I can handle. Pretty much everybody in this room has heard that phrase. Um, can I tell you something about this phrase? It is not biblical, and I, we're going we're gonna to unpack this a little bit. So let's look at the verse where we get this phrase. If you'll turn to 1 Corinthians 10, 13, or, you know, look on your phones. <laughs> no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. The word here is tempted. God will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Which is important because when you're tempted to go into sin or you're tempted to fall down into fear, God will provide a way out. Uh, which is, that's huge. So remember that when you're tempted, that God will always provide a way out. But it does not say he will not give you more than you can handle. During some of the toughest times of my life, I have been told that God will not give me more than I can handle. I'm here to tell you that we as Christians are getting this wrong, and we're advising people in the wrong way. The truth of the matter is that we will all go through situations in life where in our own flesh, in our own humanness, we will not be able to handle it. Um, in 2007, when I was about to enter my junior year of high school, my mom was diagnosed with stage 3 breast cancer. She had a double mastectomy, went through chemo and radiation, and thankfully she went into remission during my senior year of high school. And then while we were at Evangel, she was doing seemingly well. She traveled to all of my concert choirs from uh, Kentucky to Missouri, and um, my choir concerts, and then she made it to several of different events that were going on there too, and she saw Sam and I get married in 2012. And then in 2014, during her normal scans, because once you have been through cancer, you go through scans every six months. So she was going to a routine scan that she had just had six months before, and her oncologist uncovered that the same cancer that we thought was gone um, in 2007 the one that we thought was gone for good, was hidden in her lymph system. So it was everywhere. It was in her lymph nodes. It was in her skull. It was in her colon. It was in her uterus. And it was now stage four breast cancer, the same cancer from 2007. <clears throat> so she started to do 
clinical trials after clinical trials, which just means there's a new drug, let's try it, let's see if it'll work. And she went to the MD Anderson uh, Cancer Center in Houston and the Cancer Center in Nashville with Vanderbilt. Um, through all that, she was still uh, able to be there when our oldest daughter was born in 2015. Then, in March of 2017, a tumor in her colon was growing at such a rapid rate that the doctors gave her three to six months to live. And I was pregnant with our youngest, Autumn, at the time. I can still vividly remember, vividly remember the day that mom told me she had six months to live at the most. Um, she had gone in for her normal checkup, and usually she would send me a text with the updates. Um, but on that day, on March 30th, 2017, she said that she and dad wanted to come over and give me the results in person. So I knew it was going to be bad. Um, she could hardly utter the words uh, when she came over, and I remember sobbing uncontrollably in her lap. And I remember praying, God, I can't handle this. Help me. Um, after that, I quit my full-time job because if I only had three to six months to live, if my mom only had three to six months to live, I wanted to spend every moment with her. Um, mom made it to the birth of Autumn, which was amazing. She was in the delivery room, and uh, that was the first child that she saw born and the last child she saw born. And she said it was one of the highlights of her life. And I remember she walked over to the uh, oh, placenta afterwards, and she's very medical. So she was like, oh, tell me all about this, like she was talking to the nurses. So that was kind of odd and weird. But, you know, it was mom, <laughs> and she loved it. Um, but had Autumn been born two months, two weeks later on her due date, mom would have been too sick to be at the hospital. Um, so I see that as God's graciousness. Um, and then after Autumn was born, almost the entire month of September 2017, mom was in the hospital. And I toted my almost two-year-old and my three-week-old newborn to and from the hospital every single day that mom was there, which ended up being about 20 days. <clears throat> On my own, in my own humanness, I wouldn't have been able to handle the physical stress and exhaustion of just having a baby and getting two kids in and out of the car multiple times a day and juggling the emotional stress of watching my mom fade away. I couldn't have done that on my own. I believe that God gave me supernatural strength during that time. My mom made it six months and 10 days and passed away in October 2017. I was 26 at the time. It still baffles me that the woman who brought me into, the, into this world is not here. Uh, some days I still struggle that I can't just call her, um, that she won't be there for the rest of my life or for my kids' lives. I still pray to this day, God, I can't handle this. When the dark clouds of grief creep over my head, I won't ever stop missing her. So let's look at another example of when God gives someone too much to handle. Let's look at Jesus in Luke 22, 42 through 44, when Jesus was praying before he was crucified. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. What I love about this is that an angel came to Jesus and strengthened him. Even Jesus, the Son of God, couldn't handle what he was about to go through without the Father's strength. He was in such anguish that his, his sweat was like 
drops of blood. Now, that's stress. I don't know about you, but that's stress. <laughs> uh, and only through the Father's strength was he able to carry out God's will. So what about you? Think of a trial that you have faced and detect how you respond to it. Do you respond with bitterness, rage, blame, or avoidance? Or do you respond with hope, compassion, faith, and restoration? My mom used to say, God's got this. If he heals me this side of heaven, then that's a win. And if he gives me my ultimate healing in heaven, then that's a win too. I saw my mom walk through cancer with such grace and love toward others and complete trust in God. And I hope to be like her whenever I walk through trials. Her favorite verse was Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, which says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. The key here is to not lean on our own understanding, no matter the outcome of whatever situation we're facing. And sometimes the situation we're facing leads to death. That's just the way of life. And so are we going to trust in the Lord and lean on our own understanding even if it takes our lives, even if it takes our loved one's lives. So now think of a time when, you, when your loved one or a close friend has gone through a trial crisis. How do they respond? More importantly, how can you help them through the crisis? <clears throat> Romans 12, 9 through 15 says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. So one way to help others is prayer. Not just texting the words, quote, praying, but actually writing out a prayer if it's over text or social media or calling the person um, and praying over the phone or stopping whatever you were doing at the time and praying for them even in the grocery aisle, even next to the milk. You know, the ability to be inconvenienced is how we show Christ's love to others. And with the guiding of the Holy Spirit, for sure. But sometimes we're so caught up in, I got to do this. I got this schedule. My kids got to go here, all these things. And we don't have time for people who are in need sometimes, you know. So open, I want to challenge everybody to open your hearts to, and your, your minds to the Holy Spirit and ask for opportunities to share Christ's love and to pray for people because prayer is powerful. Another way that is practical to help others is in that practice hospitality. Bring them a meal. Um, the last thing I wanted to do when mom passed was cook. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. But I was like, okay, I'll do it. But then my friend showed up at the door with tons of food, and I was so grateful that they did. And I didn't demand or expect it, but I was truly moved by their kindness because it was one last thing I had to think about. And then sometimes just being in the room is another way to help others going through a trial crisis. I've heard many times through this process with mom, well, I don't know what to say to you. I don't know what to say. I was like, you don't, you don't have to say anything. Just come over here. Let's have a cup of coffee, you know. Let's just be together. Because when you lose someone, you realize how short time really is, how fast it goes. So meaningful relationships and conversations are so important. And you don't have to say the right thing. You can joke. You can laugh. It's fine, you know. You don't have to 
have the perfect, the perfect phrasing, you know. So here are some helpful steps to consider when you endure trials. In the midst of trials, find the good. At the district ladies' retreat this past October, the speaker, Lori Hoyt, um, said, instead of asking, why me? Why God? Why me? Why now? Ask, what can I learn? How, what does God want us to learn through this trial or situation? Lori Hoyt's husband was in a tragic car accident with their son, and he was paralyzed from armpits down. Uh, through the years, her prayers changed from why me to what now? And God revealed that her testimony could bring others to Jesus Christ. Because when we go through trials, God helps us to help others. We can be the key to unlock Jesus Christ for others. And that's ultimately what we're here for. We're here to help others know Christ. Um, she also said, Lori Hoyt, the speaker at District Ladies Retreat, she also said, if I had to go through this trial to know that I know that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is real and that God is good, then I would rather go through the trial than not. And I thought that was so profound because, yeah, the trial, when you're going through it, it hurts. It's bad. It's not easy. But if you know that you know that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is real and that you devote your life to him, that's way more worth it than not going through the trial and living in darkness your whole life. So I thought that was really profound. And then Elizabeth Elliot was a Christian author, author and speaker. Her first husband, Jim Elliot, was killed in 1956 while attempting to make missionary contact with the Aka of Ecuador. She later spent two years as a missionary to the tribe members who killed her husband. I thought that was, I always loved Elizabeth Elliot's story. Um, and one of her famous quotes is, The secret is Christ in me, not me in a different set of circumstances. Through her husband getting killed by this tribal people, she learned her purpose was to go straight to them and minister to them for two years. And I, I just, I love that. Like, she used one of the worst situations in her life to help point others to Jesus. Uh, another, another thing to learn, to learn from trials is trials will come to every single one of us because we live in a fallen world. Now, what does that mean? It means when Adam and Eve sinned, our world was subject to sin and wickedness and evil. So bad things are going to happen. And sometimes we feel like they happen right after each other. You know, when it rains, it pours. It's like, okay, I just got through this trial. Why am I going through this one now? But that's just the nature of our fallen world. And we are all waiting in expectation for when we can be with the Father. Um, and most of the trials that we will face will be too much for us to handle on our own. Um, and especially when they're compounded on one another. Um, without God, they will be too, too much for us to handle. And we don't, we don't know what the future holds. We aren't promised tomorrow. We're not promised the next hour. Uh, we don't know when our loved ones will take their last breaths. Whether we have a terminal illness, we are in a car accident that takes us by surprise, or we are in a crowd where an active shooter decides to take innocent lives. Situations like this, we, we can't handle them on our own. We have to have God. Um, but this doesn't mean we need to live in fear or shut ourselves out from the world. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. He's always there. He, that's, that's the thing. When you go through trials, you're not walking through them alone because God is always with us. So that's, that comes to my next point. When trials come our way, our first response should be to cry out to God. 
no matter what it is, if it's a flat tire, if it's your kids spilled milk all over your, your nice white couch and now you have to buy a new couch and you're screaming your head off, your first response, no matter the trial, big or small, should be to cry out to God, Jesus, where's my heart in this? Why am I so upset about this spilled milk? You know, or if it's something more serious as like an illness, Father, help me to walk through this with your grace and your strength. Um, there's a worship song that I love by Christy Knuckles, and it's called Let It Be Jesus. Let it be Jesus, the first name that I call. And the bridge says, should I ever be abandoned? Should I ever be acclaimed? Should I ever be surrounded by the fire and the flame? There's a name I will remember. There's a name I will proclaim. Let it be Jesus. Is our first response Jesus when we go through a trial? Or is it texting Susie so-and-so and Gary over here and telling them all about our woes and our troubles? Or are we gossiping to other people about our trials? Or are we posting it on Facebook or Instagram? Or are we going to Jesus first? Is he the first name that we're calling? It's not always my first name that I'm calling. And I try to think about that every day. Okay, Lord, why? Why am I getting so mad at this? <laughs> you, you hold the future. You know everything. So that's, that's what I want to challenge with you guys. And when you go through a trial, who are you calling first? Is it Jesus? It should be. It really should. And I love this song because it's a reminder that no matter the outcome of our circumstances or trials, that Jesus should be the first name that we call. So the last thing I want to say is how we respond to trials will define us. You could become angry and bitter toward God, or you can lean into him wholeheartedly and trust him when his word says, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you in Isaiah 43, 2. Or be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And that's the thing. So when you respond to a trial and you trust in him wholeheartedly, the next trial, you're going to trust in him wholeheartedly because you did it before. And God gives you that strength. But now let's say you go through a trial and you respond with blame and bitterness and rage and avoidance. That's what you're going to do the next time and the next time and the next time. And then you're just going to be lost in this person who you're not supposed to be. God's called you to be someone greater than that, to to find joy in suffering. And but he doesn't ask us to do it alone. He doesn't say, "Oh, well, she can handle that. I I God I give her more than she can handle. I don't give her more than she can handle." No, he's saying, "Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest." Not I I expect you to just figure this out. So God is is there for us. God loves each and every one of us beyond our comprehension. Yes, we will go through trials that we cannot handle, that will be too much for us to handle on our own. But God is waiting with his love, his strength, his grace, and power to pull us under his embrace when we go through deep waters. All we have to do is put our trust in him and lean into him and not on our own understanding. So even if our very lives or the lives of our loved ones are taken from this world, let our first response be to cry out to Jesus. I love this verse, these verses in Romans 8, 31 through 39. What then shall we, shall we say in response to all these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? 
Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Is it God who justifies? Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of God, the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all of these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I just, those verses... Those are probably my favorite verses in the whole Bible because it just says, like, nothing can separate us from God. So whatever trial you go through, it may seem so bleak, like there is no way out. But nothing can separate you from the love of God. And we have to hold on to that and share that with other people. Um, And you see it in the news so much of just hopelessness of, well, the next president will fix it or this new craze will fix it or Green energy will fix it. It's not going to fix it because they're looking after the wrong things. God is the only way that we can make it through trials. And his love, it, it's amazing. And, and nothing can separate us from that love. And I just, I love that. So just think about that. When the next time you or someone else is going through a trial, don't say, well, God won't give you more than you can handle. Say, I know this is hard. I know this is hard for you to handle. Let's pray about it. Let's turn to God. Let's turn to his word. Let's turn to his promises. um, And he will see you through it. So I spoke a little fast. (laughs) It's 738. Um, So let me me close in prayer here. And then we can mingle, dismiss, whatever. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for bringing us here today and bringing us together as a church. And I know that you know everything that is going on in the lives of our congregation, in the lives of our children at school and and far away, Lord. And you know their hearts. You know exactly what they're going through. And I pray that everyone will cling to you no matter the outcome the situations are going through, no matter uh, if they can't see the end, Lord. Father, you know everything, and we thank you for loving us unconditionally and that nothing can separate us from your love. And we thank you for um, bringing your son to die for us, that we can have access to you. And, Father, we just pray right now over everyone in this room, and as they leave this place and as they go to their families and to their workplaces, that you will give them opportunities to speak truth and love to others and to um, break down barriers and Father, I pray that everybody will step out in boldness and want to know you more. And Father, no matter what trials they're facing now or in the future or um, even in the future of their kids' lives, Father, I pray that you will help us to walk through the trials, trusting you and to look to you and you only. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you. mingle and stuff.